Uh, okay, two things. One, my name is Greg Picklap, and I'm an elder here at Stonebridge who offered to do this, so be gentle. I also, uh, to get something else out of the way, you did see me wearing a pink sparkly unicorn hat when you walked in. And when you lose the Church Fantasy Football League that week, that is bad timing. All right? And also, whoever wrote this, good luck. Thank you, I think. Josh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I don't think I'm a nerd, but, you know, whatever. It's good. So, like I said, my name is Greg Picklap, and I'm an elder here at Stonebridge. Uh, for those that might not know me, you'll know my wife, Stacy. You'll know my kids, Maddie, Kenzie, Riley. You know how great they are, how awesome they are, how they get things done, how they're always there doing stuff. They are here. I am down here. All right? So I'm just setting the bar as low as possible, taking my advice from Travis Garrett to set that bar this low so you know exactly where I am. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> so, today we are covering Luke. Um, a little background about myself. I am a history nut. I love history, government. Uh, I got a library downstairs of history texts. I got bookshelves literally of history stuff. Drives my wife nuts. She comes to me complaining about something. I'm like, well, yeah, because they passed the law in 1957, and they can't do that now. And she just looks at me like I'm nuts. All right? She agrees. So government, social, economic, politics, warfare, I devour it all. And our history as, as, as a planet has shown us many things. The actions and decisions of people impacted how we are and where we are today. But our history does not define us now. Our history is what we learn from. But God now, God always has always shown us where we should be going, what we should be doing, and things like that. If we need to listen, we need to listen to that. Our history as, as a species does not define us, but God shows us the true path. And if you like one of the best historical proven texts of God, you've seen it the past couple weeks through Matt, you've seen it through Ryan, you've seen the, the Bible right in front of you, whether it's in written form, as an app on your phone, in, in that type of format, whatever, that is your best proven historical text to guide you. And as we've seen throughout Luke, we've seen him setting the context, digging for the truth, historical guide points for the people of that period so they know what he's doing and what he's talking about. They also are proven to be 2,000 years later what we see today. Luke's points are just as relevant then as they are now because he dug, he found the truth, he, he sifted through it for us, and everything that was relatable to people of his time are relatable to us now. You're going to see miracles. He was recording from eyewitnesses. You're going to see his own experiences. You're going to see no matter how many years have passed, God still is in control and providing the answers in times of crisis. Then and now. All right. If you will, turn to Luke 3.1, and we'll do a short little thing here. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, while Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was... Trachrich of Galilee, his brother Philip, Tatrich of the region of Ilaturia and Trachonatus, and Licinius, Tatriarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, God's word came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. 
he went to all the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley will be filled, and every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked will become straight, the rough way smooth, and everyone will see the salvation of God. A couple key things here. Luke is setting this with proven historical things. And he's using the Romans, of all people, to do this. For those that don't know the history, like I said, I'm a history nut, so I'm giving you some comparison. Rome was everywhere. Rome was the thing that everyone knew about. They knew who the emperor was in Rome. They knew who the local leaders were. They know who the local military is. Rome was everywhere. So Rome, even though they were non-believers, Rome was the guidepost he was using to show people of where he was and what he's recording at this time. If you're looking at this context, at the time of Jesus that Luke is describing right here, Rome has ruled Israel for about 90 years. And things are not going well. We have false messiahs, we have uprisings, uh, social tension, high taxes, people are, are, are on, on a thousand miles an hour, red hot, wanting something to change. Now, you might think that is bad. That's as worse as it can get. But fast forward to Luke's time when Luke is recording these things. Things are much, much worse. Jews, G Gentiles, Christians alike, the temple's been destroyed again. Rome has crushed it, looted it, and taken it back. Things are much, much worse. And you will see John's message, as we will cover, is an early warning of things are to come, but also why not to take stock in that, but what they should be doing is following Christ. That Yes, things are bad. Things are terrible. Things are, are increasingly bad here. But there's Christ, and that is the true fact you should be worrying about and following. He is simply a messenger for preparing the way for Jesus. That is what Luke is telling us with John. John is simply showing us the way of what is coming with Christ. Through baptism of the people and even of Jesus himself, while it was not needed, he was showing the process of the decision that they were going to have to make once Christ arrived. Okay? People usually don't, and this is, this is a crucial part, baptism that John was doing was a symbol. He was showing them what was going to happen once Jesus arrived. The decision that people as a society and, and as believers would have to make when that time arrived. What hard decisions people were going to be facing. Are they going to cling to the old ways of the Old Testament, the rules, the laws, the, the things, the offerings that they were told was going to bring their salvation, or were they going to follow the new path? And there were going to be consequences if they made the wrong decision. Okay, going back through Luke, you will see just what we've done and what we're going to be following later and through there. He is investigating. He is sifting truth. He is he's finding firsthand accounts. He's finding the interviews, the official accounts versus the actual accounts. And you've got to remember, Luke is a Roman citizen. Luke was risking very much by doing this what he was doing. Because Rome took any threat to their authority, any threat, whether it's written, social, rumor-based, what have you, as a threat to their authority. 
and they had no qualms of crushing that using their military might. So Luke, as a Roman citizen, was going around and basically subverting Roman power by writing this down. And he was using Roman authority as a Roman citizen to do it, which is even more shocking, but he did it because he saw what needed to be done and he was entrusted to do this. The things that Luke is facing are the same things we face today. False facts are rampant. Whether it's social media, media, your own community, it is everywhere. You can't even trust your eyes in some cases anymore because of what they call deep fake videos or a rumor that's running rampant about you or someone else you know. False truths are out there everywhere. Your own eyes can deceive you in this day and age. There's general public unrest. There is anger. And Luke is showing us how to turn away from that and focus on what is actually important. Indeed, throughout the Bible, in the official accepted history of us as, as mankind, there are examples of what is actually truth and how the Bible has shown us what is the truth, even when the official accounts of our governments and leaders tell us otherwise. Time and time again, the Bible has proven to be more reliable in the critical decisions of points that God has shown us as decision points, that God has shown us that we need to make a choice. The Bible has shown us how we can do that safely and following what he tells us that we should be doing. By using these lessons and what we would even call modern times, we can still have world-changing impacts, even in small ways. The next slide. Thank you. The picture behind me, just for you non-history nuts out there, is a picture of World War I. It is 1918. Millions of people are dying across the planet including the Holy Land. And at the time, the area was controlled by what we call today Turkey, and which was the opposite side of what England, France, and the Allied powers were. At the time, if you were from Europe or European descent, if you were English especially, you were the best the world had to offer. Everything was modern. Everything was infallible. Everything was the best this world could produce came out of Europe and England. In fact, it was said the world, the, the sun never set on the English Empire because the English country controlled so much of the world that there was literally daylight somewhere in the world it was an English possession. The best technology, the best, the best maps, the best everything came out of England, and they spent millions of dollars, and they spent millions of hours, and they spent millions and millions of capital to maintain that illusion. Now, fast forward to World War I. Facing the British Army in Palestine was an enemy army of thousands of enemy soldiers in a position that had to be taken by the British Army to achieve victory and stop the, the, stop the fighting. Now, the official British maps, the official British position, the, the official, the best of things the British said they had showed that the only way to do it was to do it one way and to cost thousands of lives. Fortunately, and in God's plan, there was a different way. An English officer, who happened to be a Christ follower, was looking at the maps, and he realized the names were the same as he had found in the Bible. 
Not only that, it was the exact same area that they were being asked to attack and being told there was only one way that he recognized fit exactly with something out of 1 Samuel. And that's what you see on the screen here. There were sharp columns of rock on both sides of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross and to reach the Philistine garrison. One was named Bozes and the other named Sana. One stood to the north in front of Michmash and the other on the south side of Geba. Jonathan said to an attendant who carried his weapons, come on, let's cross over to the garrison of these uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Nothing can keep the Lord from saving, whether by many or by a few. Jonathan launched his attack, scattered the enemy forces with very few men, and gained victory for Israel. 2,000 years later, this British officer uses this to find the hidden path that Jonathan used and does the exact same thing, saving thousands of lives. Not using the official story, not using the official maps of the best things that the modern society said was. He used the Bible written 2,000 years earlier, found the hidden path, found the same path that Jonathan used, and gained victory on the exact same area thereby saving thousands of his soldiers' lives. That tells me right there, God knows. And God can show you the path, even in little things. Okay, Luke 3, 7. He then said to the crowds who came to be baptized, broad of vipers, who warns you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't say, start saying to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these very stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. John is being literal. At this point, I want you to use this comparison. John is going viral. John's name is spreading like wildfire throughout the Holy Land. People are flocking to him. People are flocking to him, not, maybe not for the right reasons, but they are flocking to him, and they are asking him to do what he cannot do. They're coming to him to save them. That's not John's purpose. John's purpose is to show them what is coming, to show them Jesus, to show them what is going to be asked of him. But he is just simply showing them. He can't do it himself. So this is him calling out these vipers, the people that come to him for the wrong reasons. The people that come to him with the same justification of saying, you know what, you're here, but you're not here. You're not here for the right reasons. You're not here to actually be shown the path of what is coming. You're here just to tell people that you are saved because you're the family tree of Abraham. And he is warning them, the axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good, fr good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. He is telling them that if you do not know and follow what is coming, the fire awaits you. And that is something you need to be very, very afraid of. The old ways are no longer the only way. The coming Messiah is going to be the only way. And he's using a a reference they would realize as well, many, many farmers of the region, because what did they do if there was an unfruitful tree in their orchard? It would be chopped down and burned to make way for producing quality trees of fruit. If you don't do this, this is what awaits you. The fire awaits you. You need to figure out what is coming. Follow him. Follow the path God is sending to you. Family histories and legacies, no matter if you're Jewish, Gentile, 
every tree that produces good fruit will be thrown into the, that doesn't produce good fruit will be thrown into the fire. He's telling them the old ways, the old laws are going. Now, at the time, just for a little context, family histories, family trees, that was how society was structured in the Holy Land at the time. People could trace them all the way back to Exodus, and that's how they, that's how they called themselves saved, by following the rules. And John is telling them those rules are no longer going to be good. And we do the same thing today. If you know people in your community, they say, well, my family goes back seven generations. My family did such and such a thing. My family built this 55 years ago. That's fine. But it doesn't define who you are today. Behind me, you see my family history. A few years ago, my wife, knowing the history that I am, got me Ancestry.com. Check your DNA, find out where you come from. That is probably the most conflicted map you will ever see for a genetic history right there. There is not a single country that likes each other up there on that map. You got Ireland hating England, you got Scotland hating everybody, you got Wales, you got Iceland, you got... And if you look down here, I barely touch Italy, so therefore I claim my love of pasta comes from that. All right. I got a family history genealogy love that I, I've traced my family history on my mother's side going back to um, a sailor on the French fleet off Yorktown who immigrated to, to the U.S. after and moved their way across from Philadelphia all the way to Iowa. I got family members on my mom's side that fought through, with Sherman going through Georgia. I got my dad's side who's more recent came over here from England, uh, Germany in 1913 through Ellis Island. And the family history there is just as cool, even though it's more recent, because at the time, Germany had mandated compulsory, compulsory military service. If you were a certain age, you had to serve. Well, my ancestor at the time was given a military demonstration of the new machine gun technology. They came, they demonstrated, and the story goes, within a week, he was on a ship to the New World because his parents did not know, want him to be there when they knew it was coming. Because at the time, there was an arms race in Europe, and war was being thought of every other month. And it saved his life. He goes from Ellis Island straight to Nebraska, gets out of Nebraska so he does not a Cornhusker fan, and then comes here. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that was going to get a laugh. I'm proud of my family. I'm proud of my history. I'm proud of the people that came before me, but it doesn't define who I am. My blessings, my family now, my kids, my wife, everything that I've achieved comes through Christ. That is how you navigate the trials and issues you see today and that we are all facing as a community and also a world. All right, Luke 3.10. What then should we do, the crowds are asking him. He replied to them, the one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none, and the one who has food must do the same. Tax collectors who came to be baptized, they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He tells them, don't collect any more than you have been authorized. Some soldiers also questioned him, what should we do? He said to them, don't take any money by force or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. These examples 
are Luke's way of telling you how powerful John was at this time. Tax collectors, the most despised people of the period, some of the most despised people now, collecting taxes for revenue for the government, for the Romans, came to John and was respectfully told what they needed to do. Soldiers came to him, Roman soldiers, Jewish soldiers, religious soldiers. There was many, many soldiers of the period came to him asking what they should do. And I should tell you at this time, there was no police officers. There was no local law enforcement. Soldiers were the ways of keeping the peace of the time. So you had soldiers, military soldiers, on every corner of every community in a presence, and they were not all the same. I know many, many local law enforcement officers who are great people serving their communities. They're highly trained, highly dedicated, looking out for everyone. These people at the time, these soldiers, were not those people. You could get a recent draftee from England in the Roman army stationed in Judea, and he could be asking for 10% of whatever you're bringing in every week. Attacking your family, attacking your business, taking your business. These soldiers were just as despised as the tax collectors because they were getting a cut of everything that was going on. John talked to him. He replied, the one that has two shirts must share with someone who has none, and the one who has food must do the same. The Jewish faith at the time put great credence on family. If you had no family to look after you, you were basically without a support system. No standing in the community. John is telling them that these people that are being pushed aside in the current system need to be taken in and provided for and given the basic necessities. If you have two shirts, give one to this person that needs it. If you have food, give it to this person. John, these examples that Luke has collected are showing some of the people that were the most despised and cast aside of the period. And Luke is showing us that John talked to them all, and he talked to them all respectfully. And that's something I think has been missing in this day and age, respecting. We don't always have to agree. We don't always have to agree on certain points, whether it's, it's on social media or in your local news, but being respectful to each other is a great, great and powerful tool that God has provided for us to get our message out there as a community as Christians. Not everything has to lead to anger. Not everything has to lead to yelling. Not everything has to lead to all caps locks on social media keyboard warriors. If you do it respectfully, I guarantee you it might not happen all at once, but if you do it respectfully, your message will get out to more people and more people and more people than screaming at the top of your lungs every day, every hour, every minute of the day by leading by example that God has provided you. And going back to the examples that Luke has provided from John, I cannot tell you how risky this was too. To speak against anything, like I mentioned earlier, was against the Roman system. John is talking to people that were the most despised of the Jewish faith as well. So he's talking against Rome. He's talking against the Jewish religious leaders. He's talking against the family leaders of his community. He is basically picking on the power that be of everybody around him. He's doing it respectfully, but make no mistake, he is doing it, and it is becoming more and more risky, as you will see. John 3.15, or I'm sorry, Luke 3.15. John tells the truth, prepares the people, speaks the truth to power, and pays the consequences. 
Now the people were waiting expectantly, and all of them were questioning in their hearts whether John might be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but the one who is more powerful than I am is coming. I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel in his hand is clear to his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn, but the chafe will burn with the fire that never goes out. Then along with many other exhortations, he proclaimed good news to the people. But when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the evil things he had done, Herod added this to everything else. He locked John up in prison. A couple things. Again, John's gone viral. People are coming to him under false beliefs and the wrong reasons, and he's calling them out on it. He is saying, I'm only showing you the way. Baptism is only showing you the way. The one that is coming, Jesus, he is the one that's going to do what you are asking that I cannot do. And you will have a choice to make, a stark choice. You can follow the old ways. You can follow the current ways. You can follow the, the, the social norms and believe you are saved under the old ways. But you will be cast into the fire. And he's using the examples that we might not know today unless you're a farmer. Kevin, I'm looking at you. But he has given them a very clear example of gather the wheat into this barn, but the chaff will burn, the chaff will burn with the fire that never goes out. He's talking about the choices the people make to follow Christ as the wheat being carefully stored into the barn to produce good things, to save people, to provide for them, to reach out to things in their community, to provide for the people that they need to, to spread his word as good works as we are supposed to do as followers of Christ. The rest go into the fire that never goes out. That's a stark decision to make, and John is making it as clear as he can that I can't ask what you're doing, but the decision is coming. John tells truth to power, but it wasn't always the easy path. The easy path was to tell people he was the Messiah. If he had said he was the Messiah, he would have been flowered in riches, he would have been accepted, he would have been taken in, he would have been gladly accepted at his word, because at the time of upheaval and strife that I already mentioned, people were clamoring for the Messiah to come. The easy path would have been for him to bow to Herod, take back what he said, not call them out, but he didn't do that either. The easy, but the easy path is not the way to salvation, and God's blessing through Jesus, but the, God's blessing through Jesus is the way, and John knew this. He knew what, was, what he was asking was not going to be easy but he also wanted us to know what was being asked and go in with our eyes open. In this day and age, we do not face the same severe consequences of facing Rome. But we do face threats. In today's world, the church is under attack both openly and in the shadows, trying to be co-opted by political parties, by government leaders, by false teachers of the prosperity gospel to sell false hope to churches bending to the social and cultural norms that are going viral on social media because that's the easy thing to do. We are not asked to take the easy path as followers of Christ. We are asked to follow him whether it's hard or easy because it is our job to reach out to our community and show them what being Christ followers is all about.
How do we answer this? I tell you, we can do it respectfully. We can do it respectfully. We can do it as Christ followers, and we can do this as members of this church that we are supposed to be doing. What is viral on social media is not always funny or good. It can be deadly for our souls, feeding our worst impulses with no consequences. Constantly, we are not on the easy path to stay true to God's message, but what we as believers are called to do, we should gladly answer because that is our job. To our families, our friends, our neighbors, not knowing Christ in our church, our job is to spread his word and do what our part and do it respectfully, just as Luke done, has done and so has John. I'm going to close this in prayer and then come up and finish worship. I will be wearing the pink hat after this. God, we know what you ask of us is not always easy. We know that what you ask of us is not always what we want to do, but we know that following your path, following what you've laid out for us, following what you've guided us to do is the best way to do our part for your church and as fellow members of Christ. That we as members of this church follow each other, that we as members of this church lean on each other, that we get out in the community and we do our part and also preach your word to those that may be desperate to hear it, but need a calming word to do so. And Lord, we thank you for providing the guide, the map, the true path that we are supposed to follow. Amen.